I walked on dry ground. I'm Greg, and I believe in a powerful and redeemed life for every Christian man stuck in sexual bondage. Hello, and welcome to the I Walked on Dry Ground podcast. My name's Greg, and I believe in the hope of a powerful and redeemed life for every Christian man stuck in sexual bondage. Thanks for tuning in. My podcast season one is all about my story and how I relate to the Israelites in their endeavor out of Egypt, across the Red Sea, into the desert and beyond. The climax of that story for me is passing through the Red Sea. And I see that as a crystal clear picture of my recovery from sexual addiction, where I escaped Egypt by the grace of God, and I was cornered between sure destruction and an impassable divide, which is recovery. And God created a dry pathway for me to walk through. And today I'm actually going to rewind to the very beginning of the story. Egypt. Egypt for me represents bondage to sin. It represents death, life before life. It represents my life before I chose to give my life to God. All right, let's talk about Egypt. Let's go ahead and jump in. What do you think of when I mention the word Egypt? And in a biblical perspective, maybe you think about slavery or evil or maybe the 10 plagues. For me, when I think about Egypt, I definitely think about slavery. And for me, I deeply identify with the concept of slavery and Egypt being a picture of bondage. That's where I'm going to start with my story and how I relate to Egypt. And I'm going to talk about three things, Egypt being a picture of bondage to sin, God sending a deliverer, and then the celebration gift. So first, let me jump in with the scripture, Exodus 1, 13 through 14. They worked the Israelites ruthlessly and made their lives bitter with difficult labor in brick and mortar and in all kinds of field work. They ruthlessly imposed all this work on them. Just a small description and picture of how the Egyptians ended up treating the Israelites as we pick up their story in Exodus, kind of before their deliverance. That sounds miserable. And I think for me, my flesh and the way it treats me, the way it tries to run my life is a miserable way of running my life. For me, my flesh worked me ruthlessly, and if it had its way, and and when it does, even to this day, when my flesh, kind of when I allow it to, either consciously or not, allow it to run my life, my flesh knows no bounds, and it knows no um, sympathies or empathies. It's, it's It's a ruthless worker, and how that plays out for me is just a few ways. First, like looking for approval and being a performer, my flesh lives for the approval of others, and it lives for a good performance. And I'm talking about the stage for this performance could even be, for me, I like to play golf or frisbee golf. So the stage could be 
I could be alone on the disc golf course or the golf course. And that could be a stage for me. Even though there's nobody around, there's this kind of false narrative in my mind. I have this approval system, this approval structure that I need to perform or shoot a good score in order to meet. And if I don't do that, my flesh wants to feel worthless. It wants to go to a worthless, kind of like beat down state. And how um, how ruthless is that? Seriously, if I don't shoot a good enough score in one of my hobbies, I should feel worthless. That's kind of like a if I'm a slave to Egypt and I don't hit my quota of bricks and mortar or harvesting whatever type of plant. I'm kind of like degraded in their eyes. I'm not a, I'm not a, a good enough slave. I'm, I'm not a good enough performer and I probably get punished. And so the punishment my flesh puts on me is this feeling of worthlessness and that I'm not good enough or there's something wrong with me. And then very closely related is being super driven to accomplish. So this plays out kind of in, in the workplace. My flesh will know no limit on the amount of effort and energy to, to put into this. It's kind of like a do until you die type of attitude that my flesh has. And so if it runs my life, I'm constantly dealing with exhaustion. And so the way that I used to live when I was in Egypt and before I gave my life to God, I would drink a lot of coffee. I would do a lot of addictive activities and just kind of constantly be pushing myself. I think that was a major piece of my addiction is I was constantly exhausted and I needed some way to cope because my reality was so hard. So the next, next thing I want to talk about in this topic of Egypt as bondage to sin is God sending a deliverer. Exodus 3, 9 through 10 says, So because the Israelites cry for help has come to me, And I have also seen the way the Egyptians are oppressing them. Therefore, go. I am sending you to Pharaoh so that you may lead my people, the Israelites, out of Egypt. And God's obviously talking to Moses here. And so God sent Moses to Egypt to free his people, just like God sent Jesus to earth to free all of us from our sin. And it's cool because there's a very strong picture of Jesus in Moses. As God chooses him, sends him, and performs miraculous things for the people to set them free from bondage. So Moses set God's people free from Egypt and the bondage associated with their slavery there. And Jesus set people free from their sin and the slavery associated with sin. And so this picture of God sending a deliverer, noticing his people suffering so bad, sending a deliverer to set them free. And so for the Israelites, it was Moses, but for me, it was Jesus. And I'm going to tell the story about how I accepted Jesus into my life and decided to follow God. So it was 2013. And after being raised in a Christian home and kind of acting the part of a Christian boy and a Christian man for so many years, I had finally chosen upon my own will to go to church, and I was going regularly to this young adult group and to the church service. June 13th, 
again, I'm really a numbers guy and actually 13 has a special significance for my life. So 61313, I was sitting in a young adult Thursday night group. The song that came on for all of us to sing together was the song called I Have Decided. And it may be called I Have Decided to Follow Jesus, but either way, that's how the lyric goes. And I found myself singing that song, I Have Decided to Follow Jesus. No turning back, no turning back is how it goes. I sung it in my heart and in my soul. I found that I wasn't just singing the words, I was actually declaring those words over my life. So I made a deep internal decision and commitment on that day to follow Jesus, to give my life to God, to spend my time and energy following him. And that doesn't and that doesn't mean my life changed dramatically right away or I, I became a different person, although spiritually it totally did. But on that day is when I decided to walk out of Egypt and I decided to follow Jesus out of my slavery to sin. And here I am six and a half years later, and I'm still walking in, on my journey farther and farther away from Egypt. And I'm experiencing and tasting so many new things. And I've been through the Red Sea, I've been through the desert, and it all started with leaving Egypt. Now, finally, the last piece of this picture that I'm going to talk about is, and I'm going to start by giving two examples from the Bible. First, from Exodus 13 now, several chapters later, when the Israelites are actually departing Egypt. They plundered the Egyptians. The Egyptians willingly gave them gold, silver, clothing, and food for their journey. Now, how is that even possible that the people who enslaved them who considered them less than human are all of a sudden giving that giving them the most valuable things that they could give them at that time. Gold and silver, little did they know were going to be used to build the temple and clothing and food for their journey. The Egyptians provided the celebration gift for the Israelites. And in Luke 15, I want to talk about the prodigal son. The prodigal son returns, and the father puts a ring on his fin finger, sandals on his feet, a fine robe on his back, and throws a feast in celebration that this son came home. For me, the celebration gift was my wife. Proverbs 12.4 says, A wife of noble character is her husband's crown. And my wife is the greatest gift that God has given me. And it's so amazing that it happened right after I accepted Jesus as my deliverer. And we actually started dating two days after June 13th. Two days later, we started dating. And then we got engaged four months later. And then we were going to get married a few months after that and delayed the wedding. And that's a longer story. Um, but for me, looking back, it's like he gave me the greatest gift he could have poss possibly given me right after he delivered me out of Egypt. Thank you guys for listening to this episode. I appreciate your support and your willingness to get to know me and my story a little bit. Keep tuning in and I'll talk to you later.